a key productive production. Welcome to the Tools They Use podcast. Interviews with professionals about how they use apps, software, habits, and routines every day. Hello, guys. Before we begin this podcast, um, as you can imagine, our sponsor this month here on Keep Productive and also tools they use is Notion. Now, if you haven't heard about Notion, again, I don't know where you've been. (laughs) It is a really popular application at the moment, and it provides a lot of experiences. It's one of my favorite apps uh, for a fair while now, and it has allowed me to organize a lot of different stuff. I'm actually currently you're going to be utilizing it to organize um, our baby in terms of being able to like plan in advance to be able to manage day to day and also um, you know plan for those life stages best you can apparently it's gonna get out of hand uh, I hear but as you can imagine it's a really flexible tool which you can bend to any of your needs you can check out notion at notion.so and you can find out all about them there and you can get a free account, which is absolutely fantastic. But again, uh, it's fantastic to have them as a sponsor and uh, I definitely think you should check it out. It's one of those things that you need to see more than here. So uh, again, uh, definitely something to go and explore. We've got tons of videos on it, so uh, there's no excuse and it's probably no avoiding it either. But guys, a big thank you. Let's roll into this podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Tools I Use podcast. It is Francesco here. Today I am very lucky to be joined by Anne-Laure Lecumpf, who is the founder of Nest Labs. This is a blog that is all about self-development. It covers so much stuff from mindful productivity to continuous learning and even dives into the realm of neuroscience. And, uh, you know, just to keep her even more busy, um, she is a part-time neuroscience student at King's College, entrepreneur, and she previously did work with Google. So uh, <laughs> lots to keep you busy there, Anne-Laure. Thanks for having me, Francisco. The work I do at Nest Labs and, and my neuroscience studies, which is my main focus right now. And um, so what's keeping me busy uh, are these two things. I spend uh, roughly a third of my time studying for school, a third of my time writing for Nest Labs, where, which I use both as a way to build an audience for future products that I'm thinking about building, but also as a way for myself to consolidate what I'm learning at school. Because as you probably know, writing about stuff and sharing it with other people is one of the best ways to make sure that you actually understand it. So I, I do that and I try to write almost every weekday. And uh, the last third of my time is spent working with clients in the productivity space, consumer psychology, and a bit of marketing, which is also helping fund some of the other work that I do. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I guess you've sort of consolidated all your stuff. A lot of more focus is, and a lot more like, um, I guess a lot more sort of attention has been put towards Nest Labs as well, right? Yes, no, definitely. It's... um, it's yeah, it's it's definitely what I spend the most time on. I basically block an hour every morning, at least an hour every morning, to write an article which is either based on something that I've studied at university in my neuroscience classes, or based on conversations that I've had, or podcasts I listen to, or books that I read. And uh, I make sure to share this on Twitter or through my newsletter, which has about seven thousand subscribers at the moment. 
So this is the very first thing that I do. And then I organize everything else in my life around this. This is still my top priority and everything else I do in the remaining of the time that I have. Oh, that's really good. I mean, uh, I, I think you post roughly about two times a week on the Nest Labs and it's uh, all really interesting stuff, which I think um, everyone who's listening along should definitely check out. Um, and, and you touched a little bit there on the sort of uh, hour block that you did. What, what does a typical day look like for you? Because um, I'm guessing it's, uh, you know, a, a sort of combination between learning, but then also uh, applying that and, and sharing that out to the world. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of time blocking because I work for myself and I have the freedom of deciding what I work on and, and when. This comes with you know, lots of advantages. I have lots of flexibility, but also if I want to make sure that what I want to get done actually gets done, it's, it's good to also have a little bit of structure around the way I work. So I block time for, so let's say like a typical day, as I mentioned earlier, I would have at least an hour of writing. First thing in the morning, I make myself some tea and I sit down and I write. Then the rest of the morning, I would study for, uh, for my classes. Uh, sometimes I have to do some essays and homework and, and scientific research, etc. Then I um, go to the gym. I, uh, I work from home, so this is also something that forces me to go out if I don't have any face-to-face -face meetings that day. And then in the afternoon, I uh, do client work, sometimes a bit more reading and research. And I try to, you know, not have too long days and to finish quite early. But I'm a bit of a night owl, so very often after dinner, I will kind of like start reading or, or writing again or working again, which is completely fine because I can wake up whenever I want to in the morning. Yeah. I like that you've got that, that you've got really nice balance between, um, you know, I, I like that when people have a bit of control over the day, they can, you know, go to the gym when they want, but it's sort of like they dip in and out of work and they dip in and out of sort of life situations as well. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice. And definitely. Um, yeah, and you spend a lot of time writing. Um, that's a given. Yeah. Um, what just sort of dipping into some of the tools? Um, do you use a specific tool for uh, writing um, uh, longer pieces um, and even shorter ones, or do you just go with the same one uh, for everything? That's a very interesting question because I was discussing that exact same question only yesterday on Twitter with some people who were asking what tools I was using and what was my recommended tool. And I actually have a very simple setup. I take my quick notes in Google Keep and I do that either on my laptop or on the go. And as I mentioned, I have ideas for articles coming from lots of different places, including conversations, podcasts, and books. So whenever I read something interesting, and I think this is something I want to research a little bit further and write an article about, that goes into a dedicated note that I have on Google Keep. And then I use Google Docs for writing. So again, very simple. I pick an idea that inspires me that day that I want to research, and I just write the article in there and then I just copy and paste it on my blog and even for the illustrations I create them in Google presentations so yeah. <laughs> basically the full Google stack is what I used for writing whether it's long or short pieces oh brilliant I love it Nest Labs uh, sponsored by Google <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah you can you can say you can see I used to work there right I'm, I'm very used yeah to <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to mention 
um and 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 of course like um writing's a big part of your day but i'm i'm guessing you have some sort of methodologies or uh ways that you you mentioned there like capturing stuff do you have like a a, a digital toolkit uh or or like an offline toolkit that you use to you know for example like capture calendar events or activities and tasks and things like that gosh you're, you're really going to think that i'm sponsored by google but i'm not <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, time blocking uh all goes into google calendars uh for my to do's they're also inside of google keep uh and uh for offline stuff i do i do have a notebook because i sometimes feel too distracted on my laptop to think properly i get a notification or i you know start researching something and then i fall into a wikipedia a black hole of <laughs> <laughs> with like a thousand tabs open and lots of interesting stuff i want to read but i end up one hour later having read a lot of stuff but haven't done any proper thinking so when i want to actually think and process that information and try to think of an angle that is mine and an interesting way of approaching it i usually just close my laptop and take a notebook and a pen very old school and i again block like half an hour or 45 minutes and i just try to come up with my own vision for what i'm going to write not based on you know something that i would be just reading right now on my laptop so i i don't think i would manage to Uh, work this efficiently if i was only relying on digital tools i need my notebook too yeah i i can tell there that you're 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 a writer um because you said uh wikipedia wormhole uh black hole versus youtube <laughs> yes <laughs> so that's such a uh informative um black hole to fall into um which is good <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, And and just uh just being a bit nosy, uh, do you use like a specific type of brand for your notebook? Um, do you have one that you consistently buy, or is it just a, a sort of A5 um, one that you grab from the shops? So I used to have a Moleskin that I really liked, and I lost it, and then I got another one, and I lost it again. So uh, I now I have a random one that I grabbed from uh, like a bookshop or or something. And uh, yeah, I, I decided that this was not going to be something I would invest a lot of money into anymore because I tend to lose them a lot. And it, it's fine if I lose them because I really use my notebook as a thinking tool, like an in-the-moment thinking tool, mm -hmm. rather than a way of taking notes. All of my notes are digital, so um, you know I never felt really bad when I lost my notebook. But for people who actually care about having a really good quality notebook, which is really nice to write on, I love the Moleskine brand. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think the tool set that you've got there is a really nice sort of uh, consistent setup, um, especially because you've gone in all Google, which is uh, quite nice across the board. Um, obviously, tools are, are pretty important, but you know, routines also become uh, pretty valuable in our days. And I'm just wondering, like, Uh, you know, like you write a lot about the sort of work-life balance, um, obviously sort of being able to balance, um, you know, our busy schedules, but also our, our lives. Um, I, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like people are sort of getting more in tune with this. Uh, how do you find, or how do you see it evolving over the next couple of years as sort of time goes on? This is very interesting because I... I'm actually not a big fan of the traditional definition of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like in the past when, you know, 
and it's still the case, right? But if we're talking about how this is go going to evolve in the future, but lots of people still have a job where they're supposed to get there at a certain time and they're supposed in principle to leave at a certain time. And so you have your work time and your lifetime. But I think things are evolving and there are lots of creators and developers and solo entrepreneurs, etc., where the boundaries between work and life are getting blurred, basically. And um, I think the first uh, instinctive reaction that people had uh, when they saw this happening was uh, to say that it was a bad thing, that you still needed to have this balance and have your work time and your lifetime. In my personal experience, and, and I'm not saying that this is going to be the case for everyone, I have found that if I'm, I'm flexible, but flexible in a way where I'm still the one defining the rules and the way I work and I still have that freedom that I mentioned before, I'm completely fine with having those lines being slightly blurred and I'm okay working longer hours, certain days where I felt particularly inspired. If there's a very long article I want to write and, and I'm kind of in the flow and I'm just being very creative and productive, I don't want to force myself in an artificial way to stop working to do the life part. And it's okay if that night I you know, don't go out or don't have like dinner with friends. But I feel like the next time I will see them, I will be in a better mood and more excited and we will have more interesting conversations. So I'm perfectly fine with having this more like flexible vision of work-life balance. But, and the big caveat to this is that I'm my own boss. So I think it works for me because whenever I also feel like I'm tired, I can decide to push back a piece of work to later and uh, work on it later. And so in the future, I really hope that more companies will offer flexible environments to their employees so they can design this flexible model of work-life balance where if it's 9 p.m. and I feel super productive, I can work until 1 a.m. and maybe come into to the office uh, at 10 a.m. the day after. And no one is going to say that this is a bad thing because this is the way I work best and this is also how I keep my energy for, for the life stuff. So yeah, in the future, I, I, don't, I can't predict the future, but I hope that hmm. this is going to become more and more flexible. Yeah, and I guess from what you said there, it, it, it's like also dependent on how your energy levels are too, because you might be like, um, you know, one day do that sort of, you know, uh, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., then go in at 10 a.m., but the next day you could just be back to normal or <laughs> quote-unquote normal. Um, yeah sort of routine yeah I like I like your sort of approach on it and um and that sort of leads me on to the next question about um focus because obviously as a writer you must uh you know you set that hour out every morning to you know really channel your writing and get it sort of pen to paper um metaphor there um I guess like how do you how did you go about sort of honing that focus how did you go about making sure that was a habit that you did um, and sort of fixing it in your schedule. Yeah, uh, so as I said, like time blocking for me is super important. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it gives me specific times where, and I had to play with it basically because mm. I think there's lots of different things that you need to take into account, but the three main ones that I've identified in my case is um, my environment, the context, where I am at the moment. Am I at home? Am I on the go? Am I working from a coffee shop? Uh, I am, you know, working, visiting friends and, and working from, from their place. So the, the context and the environment. The second thing is how much time I have for the next task, task I'm going to work on. Do I have 
two hours where I'm going to do, be able to do uninterrupted work or do I only have you know, 30 minutes where I would have to do something quick? And then the last thing is my levels of energy. Sometimes you know, during the day, I'm lower energy and sometimes higher energy. And so in my case, I've identified that first thing in the morning, I have quite a bit of energy and I feel creative and it's a good time for me to write. But then from around lunchtime to 4 p.m., uh, this is when I'm not feeling the most creative or the most productive. So this is also, this is where I do, you know, podcast recordings, interviews, meetings, uh, you know, talking to clients, these kind of things. Um, this is also why I go to the gym in the middle of the day because I'm not, you know, taking time away from, from creative work. And then I usually have another burst of, of energy and creativity late in the day. So in terms of, you know, being focused and making sure that what you want to do happens, I think that instead of just forcing yourself to, you know, do things one by one in a rigid order, it's a really good thing to experiment. And, and after a while, you start identifying some tasks that are just naturally easier for you to do at certain times of the day. And it becomes easier to build that habit to a point where it would feel weird for me today to wake up and do something else that is not yeah. writing, for example. So yeah, uh, that's, that's the main thing for me is like to try different times of the day and understand your, your energy levels and basically build your schedule around yourself rather than trying to force yourself to stick to a rigid schedule that may not make sense for you and that may not be the most productive approach. Yeah, I like, I like that almost like carving a sort of um, your own routine based on just continual learning and, and adapting it to make it even better each yeah. day, but not in a massive way <laughs> that's <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, grad, uh, gradual changes um, over, not overnight um, changes. And um, the, you actually uh, posted a few, maybe a few weeks ago now on Twitter about um, you, you start posting people's years and reviews, and I actually saved the spreadsheet because I'm, I'm looking to go into sort of uh, d check what other people have been writing about their years and review. And um, like, have you, have you managed to do a year in review this year? Yes, I, I did publish one, and I also published a template that people could use. And then I created a spreadsheet where people could add the link to their own. And I think about sixty people have added links to their own so wow. if you know if you want to read these later for inspiration you you can but it was very interesting that this is becoming a more common thing for people to do yeah and, and that's one of the questions i had to ask you because I've, I've not done one um i think i used to do one maybe two uh, three or four years ago but like i guess how would you sell it to me um or to any of the listeners who are maybe sort of looking to approach it well, you know, you just mentioned earlier continuous learning and how it is important to have incremental change and try to improve little by little. And to me, this is exactly what a year in review is about. It's about looking at your past to improve and make your future better, basically. So it's just looking back at the past year and being as honest and transparent with yourself as to what went well and what didn't. Ideally, comparing it to what you had expected that year to look like. And it's a really good exercise because there are usually two things that people realize when they go through this exercise. The first thing is that just life happens and you can plan as much as you want. Very often, things don't go as you expected, and that's all right. Because the second thing that people realize is that 
when they take the time to list all of the things that they achieved in the past year, they, they, they see that they've done much more than what they thought. Because yeah. we, you know, we have this recency bias where we'll remember more what happened very recently, but what happened January last year or February last year, we tend to not remember that. So it's a really good way to learn about what worked, what didn't, to also take you know, a few minutes to give yourself a pat on the back and, and realize everything that you did that year. And also a very good time to plan for the next year. And you know, there are things that I tried to do last year, for example, that didn't work out. And it was really good to understand, was it because you know, external events happened that prevent me, prevented me from doing it? Or was it because actually it was not a good goal for myself in the first place mm. and I should just drop it and it's not really a failure on my part. It's just that I picked that goal for the wrong reasons. So yes, I would say that continuous learning is the main reason why I would recommend anyone to try at least for once uh, to do the year in review. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to give it a go. <laughs> um, a belated one um, at that. It will probably be uh, sometime next week if I have a little bit of time on a Thursday to, yeah, that'll be yeah. Um, a good sort of, yeah, because I mean, I, I did it before, but, and I've only started getting to the habit from what Tiago Forti have been saying about sort of sharing stuff routinely of stuff that you learn uh, on social media and sort of outside to your family. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll have to use the template as well. <laughs> um, you, you've been working uh, very hard on a course recently, right? Yes, that's actually interesting because that's part of the things that I was planning to publish last year, and that <laughs> oh, okay. didn't happen. So yeah, I'm still I'm still working on it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm still working on it. Uh, I wanted to publish it in November, and then it became December. And, uh, and now it's probably going to be February. Uh, for this one, um, the reason it didn't happen is not because I don't want to do it or it was the wrong goal because I'm still working on it. The reason is that I vastly underestimated the amount of work that this required. And um, I looked at other online courses and it seemed fairly easy, especially considering that I already had the content. I, as you mentioned, I write a lot. I also, you know, because I've been publishing for a little while now, I got feedback from people, questions, and, you know, I have a pretty good idea of what people would want from this course, which would be about mindful productivity. Um, but once I started working on it, I realized that this was this massive jigsaw of different pieces and that I didn't even know where to start. So I've been making progress, a little bit progress every week, but it's been a much slower process than, than what I expected. Yeah. And it, it, there's a lot of sort of bits that people don't see, um, you know, all the sort of emails after all the, you know, exercises that you have to add in and et cetera. So yeah, it's, it's a bit a big undertaking, especially all the sort of consistent writing you do with Nest Labs and, and being a student, so uh, I exactly. can't. But but do let but do let us know about um, you know when it's released because I'll I'll be sure to share it because it uh, sounds extremely exciting from some of the pictures. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Um, well, uh, Anne Law, um, would you mind sharing your social media in case people would like to follow you? Because uh, I think everyone would have enjoyed this podcast uh, very much. 
Well, I'm not going to share my social media handle because I created that when I was very young and even myself, I can't pronounce it, but uh, people can go to nestlabs.com, N-E-S-S-L-A-B-S.com, and uh, there are links to all of my social media there, so they can click through and that's going to be much easier. Yeah, they won't, they won't stumble on any uh, wording. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Well, uh, it's been really great to have you, Anne Laurel, um, and uh, I, I hope you uh, have a fantastic rest of the evening. Thanks so much for having me. Are you a subscriber on the Keep Productive YouTube channel? If not, you'd love it. Software reviews and news. Just search for Keep Productive on YouTube for weekly videos. Thanks for listening to the Tools They Use podcast, a Keep Productive production. See you next time.